Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Will with ScheduleFly, and I'm excited today to have Tyler Carlson on the phone. Uh, Tyler is co-owner of Tymark Hospitality up in Rhode Island, and if you listen to the podcast, just recently we had his partner, Mark Lays, on here. And uh, these guys have got four awesome restaurants. They're doing really good work there. They're, they work hard, um, and they have a great group, and, um, and they, have a, they have a busy schedule. So, Tyler, thanks for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, man. Okay, so I'll start where I start every one of these, which is uh, tell me, tell me when and why you got into hospitality in the first place. Well, um, I started in hospitality when I was a teenager, which I think is a story for a lot of people. And um, you know, I, I enjoyed it, but it was really just a way that I made money. And then as I got out of college, um, I had a sales job, and I went to Babson, which is a business school up in Boston, and. You know, I kind of changed direction after I got out of school. Uh, I was a sales manager and a suit and tie, and I just didn't really like who the people I was working for and what was going on. Um, so I ended up coming back to restaurants, and I was actually signed up to take a Series 7 uh, and, and trade securities, and I just didn't really care about that. And I got a job uh, to try to get a job as a bartender at a new hotel that had just opened up in the area. And when I showed him my resume and talked to the boss a little bit, they said, listen, you're going to have to not be a bartender. We want you to be a, some kind of floor manager. It's a, um, and that's how I kind of got going again. I was 23 at the time, and I realized that there really wasn't a limit on where I could go with that. And Mark, who you referenced before, is uh, my best buddy, and he's also my business partner. And he and I have been talking about going to business together since we were teenagers. Uh, so long story short, I ended up being the food and beverage director of the hotel for a few years, um, which was very valuable experience and certainly something I use a lot of now. Um, but I knew that I wanted to control my own destiny a little more than I could there. So um, I made a move and uh, came out to Washley and got involved with Mark and partnered up and the group has grown a lot from there. So uh, I guess I, to answer your question, I, I started when I was 14 or 15 years old, but I didn't really make a career path for myself completely until I was probably in my early mid twenties, early to mid twenties. You know, it's interesting, man, cause you were going to go take the series seven and, uh, and here you are. I mean, that would have been a t- just com- massively different career tra- trajectory, but yes. you know, I, I tip my hat because I think you, you had the, uh, self-awareness and wisdom early on to realize that that wasn't something that, uh, you wanted to do but i think a lot of folks you know they get caught up in that path where they're they're seeing their you probably have buddies that were doing that it's kind of like what you think you're supposed to do and then people wind up you know like you and i halfway through their you know 10 15 years later or whatever out of college and they're doing something that they thought they were supposed to do but they're not really happy but they're kind of stuck and uh it's hard to unwind from that so I, i i commend you for realizing that early on i think because it's a you know what you did is uh, set you up for probably a career that you'll have, you know, for the rest of your life doing something you really enjoy, which is great. I hope so. You know, I appreciate that. Well, and, and I think that a lot of people, um, I think it is common that people have to change direction, but I think it's getting harder. And, you know, I think younger generations, I'm, I'm 32, so I'm a millennial by definition. And I think my generation and younger people, we're having harder times. A lot of them are having harder times with the transition because, like you said, you, you have to have enough self-awareness to figure out your path, but I think a lot of people in their 20s naturally don't quite know it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. You know, I grew up in Connecticut, and I grew up in an environment where um, I came from a good family, and I went to private school, and 
played lacrosse and I had a lot of kind of conventional boxes for what defined being successful. And yes. so part of that was going to a high powered business school and wearing a suit and tie afterwards. Trading security sure sounds good and looks good on a business card. And, you know, I think that was definitely tied into it for me. But the reality I came to is, you know, I like restaurants, but I really like is people. Yeah. Um, and I think that I'm, I think that I'm good at people when it comes to, uh, both customer interactions and working with staff. I, that's the stuff I really like. you know, to, to do my job. I had to, you know, spend time cooking on a saute line and, you know, we opened businesses. I've worked hundred hour weeks and, and put my personal life and my uh, other things that are important to me in jeopardy or at least stress them. Um, you know, it's, it's asked a lot out of me, but I think that whole saying about, you know, you just do something that you love and success and the money come. I think that's kind of true. I think you have to have a path, but it has to combine with discipline and and relentless work to really make things go. Um, and I, I guess for me, in terms of career path, I like being in. I like that environment. I like the the excitement of it's really busy. We are borderline understaffed, and we need to really make things go now. That's kind of how it started for me because I like that. The people that I was working around responded well to me, both when I was a peer and an, an employer, and that kind of pushed my confidence up. Um, it made me feel more self-assured that I had made some good decisions. You know, I think every, whatever business you're in, you need a combination of skill, determination, and luck in some form, mm. and that's kind of how it came together for me so far, if that makes sense. No, it makes a ton of sense, man. And, uh, you know, the... Um you mentioned the hundred hour week. So you go get a series seven, you get an investment banking or something. You're certainly doing the same for a while, yes. but you wind up, uh, you know, you wind up in a position where, uh, like you said, it looks good. It sounds good. Maybe you're making some good money, but you're also at the, uh, good gosh, you know, you never know when, you know, economy tanks or something the next day you're, you're out of work. And whereas now you're in a situation where, you know, it's interesting. Like it's almost like early in those careers you have, uh, it's almost like an inverted X curve, right? So you start out in something like that, your risk is really low early in right. your career, but the further you go, the more you make, the higher you rise. It's almost like you have more risk that you're expendable if uh, something changes. Whereas what you did is you take a lot of risk early on, but as you guys grow and you add restaurants and you build your business, you're taking yeah. on less and less risk over time. You're diversifying. And uh, when you wake up, you know, in your mid forties and 15 years or so, uh, not that you don't have any risk, but you certainly have lowered your risk profile considerably. Right. Whereas a peer at the same age, you know, in a professional career may have a much higher risk profile. So, um, yeah, that makes sense. It's, it requires a lot of, um, vision and, you know, Mark and I are a good team and, you know, there's things that he and I see, um, a lot of things that we see the same and there's things that we don't. So, I think for us, for our group, and for us as the leaders of it, having communication between us first and foremost be really clear. You know, we have a very close personal relationship, which is a benefit, but it's not if you don't speak openly with each other all the time. You know, so that's a balance that we run, and we run pretty well, but everybody has to be pulling in the same direction. And when I say everybody, I don't mean the two guys that sign the checks. I mean everybody. So mm. if you don't have the kind of leadership where you can – you know, I think pulling your, your staff with you and the people that work with you instead of pushing them is a much better strategy. And the only way I know how to do that, or I've seen people do it well, is to be really hands-on and get involved. So, you know, like you're saying, 
the more infrastructure that we build, the less I am, am committed. I really can't be committed to, you know, hourly positions right now, but I can do them. And if I'm in the restaurant on a Friday night and I'm there to help with the managing, then I'm busting tables or making pizzas and doing the same things that I expect the managers or anybody else to do because everyone I've worked for that doesn't act that way is not worth working for. <laughs> that's, there's, that's one black and white observation I've had throughout my career. Um, and I think Mark and I see that the same way and I think it's helping us, you know, and the more that we build, you're right. It, it does lower our risk, but you know, I don't think it's as simple as, um, if I just keep working hard, uh, then all the results will happen. I think that's the biggest part of it, but at least for us, while we're kind of in the infancy of building this group, having clear cut goals and, um, clear communication and the discipline to follow that plan is probably the biggest part, you know, because that, that's how you stop the inevitable adversities and the bad luck and the things that come up. There's really no way past those besides keeping your frame of mind right and working relentlessly at it so far. I mean, we're, I don't want to sound too preachy. We're still pretty early on in this thing, but that's working real well for us. Oh, for sure. No, and you don't, and you don't, and it's a, I mean, it's a tough road no matter what. Um, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I like that. I mean, you know, clear goals, good communication, discipline, disciplines for sure. Key, especially in a business like yours, where it's just, I mean, every day is something new, um, yeah. different fires to put out, different challenges, different problems to solve and things like that. So you've got to have that rigor and that, that discipline, uh, right. is huge. And then, and you guys, I know, I mean, you know, it's interesting because when you have a partnership, it's, uh, you're not going to see eye to eye on everything, right. but having those sort of broad high level goals, you know, and, directional goals is so key what do you what do y'all do like how do you resolve when you have you know when differences of opinion on, on an important issue like what's been your process is it mainly well communication that's a great question yeah it's a great question i mean there has to be some compromise you know and we have the communication pretty well structured in the organization now there's an owner's meeting early on monday and there's management meetings that follow that and it kind of lets the goals and the objectives flow through the channels that they're supposed to so that everyone that's supposed to have an opinion on something gets to voice it before it goes to the next round of discussion. Mm. You know, as far as Mark and I go, um, or even with the, with our managers or other, some of the other, uh, operators, you know, I guess I'll talk from the partner perspective. I know that he's capable. He knows that I am, and I know that he wants us to do well and he knows that I want the same thing. So, with him particularly, because he's my, my business partner, you know, we're all working in the same direction. You know, it's, here's the example I could give you. If, if you go into any restaurant, you take a, a dry storage closet that's out of whack, you can have pretty much anybody in that building reorganize it so it'll look nice. I could do it. Um, the, the manager could do it. A busser could do it. It doesn't really matter. It'll look great, but it'll look different every way that somebody does it. You know what I'm saying? And so we get plenty of those scenarios. He, he and I both... Um, have management skills, cooking skills, etc. But a lot of times you really just need one answer and it's not a big deal which person or where, what place it comes from. It just needs to get resolved. And if you really are both trying to fight to put an opinion on that kind of example, that's really more about you. Sometimes there's some pride and narcissism that's associated with that. Neither of us really make time for those things. So you know, we, we've delegated well with each other who's responsible for what areas more but it lets us both touch all areas, if that makes sense. So yeah, I think clear communication is good. And I think uh, 
not having to have your two cents put in. You know, we're both pretty take charge kind of guys, but you know, we've got a good flow for one time for one guy to go. And you know, at the end of the day, you remember you, we're having a lot of success and we're both pulling in the same direction. So if there's some kind of problem, most of the successful people I've looked up to and try to emulate, they keep positivity at the forefront and instead of saying, well, this is bad for this reason. They say, well, this is how we're going to make this good for this reason. And if you've got people that are all thinking that way, there's not a lot of stuff that can really slow you down drastically. So anything, the communication is a big part of it. And, um, you know, keeping the perspective that as long as we're all pulling in the same direction, it's okay if we're pulling a little bit differently here or there, as long as the, the big project and the big vision is headed the same way. Who, who are some of the people that you admire and emulate that you mentioned? Say that again? Who are, you mentioned the people that you admire and emulate, you know, keep yeah. who are some of those folks well my dad is the one that i first talked about management stuff with my dad was an executive for many years and he's an entrepreneur as well and you know he's managed managed a four or five hundred person division before so he's probably been my first resource for um you know the kind of nitty-gritty interpersonal management stuff and you know, i like to read a lot i think that's uh I think that's good for me. I read a lot of Stephen Covey and John Maxwell, and some of that stuff is really dry and brutal to read. Um, but some of the lessons that come out of it, you know, I, I think that that stuff is really worth emulating. You know, and a lot of the leaders that you see in day-to-day, I mean, even in sports teams, I'm a, I'm a big Patriots fan, so sure, that's probably not going to get great reviews for you in some of the places they listen to this. But <laughs> if you look at that organization as a whole, regardless of your fandom, yeah. you know, they seem to be good at, solving problems and dealing with adversities and just keeping the ship moving in the same direction. Agreed. You know? and yeah. With all the great athletes, the guys like the, the Michael Jordans or the Tom Brady's or the Tiger Woods or all those guys, whatever, whatever side any of that you fall on, the commonality I've seen between all those people is I can do this, I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to get out to try to do it. And when I have some success, I'm going to follow that up with more hard work. And I don't think it's a coincidence that those people – um, do as well as they do and the things that they do. I'm sure there's a lot of luck and talent that's kind of natural and part of that, but keeping that singular perspective and having a positive uh, outlook on what's in front of you and kind of pushing negativity aside, that sounds like philosophical kind of hogwash for some people and for me sometimes too, but it's not. You know, if you're direct, they're clear, and you keep focused on the positives that you have around you, you find a lot more and you find a lot more production. And for me, being in a leadership role, as soon as my mindset shifts from that, then it shifts it for a lot of people. Mm. And now I'm really doing damage um, because my job is to solve problems and bring solutions and find efficiencies and really support the people that work for us, you know, and that's something that a lot of people, I've been in that situation plenty where you really feel like you're on the bottom of that pyramid, you know, the pyramid you see in a, in a management book with a CEO standing up at the top. You know, when you're on the bottom rung of that and you feel like you're on the bottom rung of that, I just don't think that's a good way to work. And that's part of life sometimes. And it's on everybody to move themselves into other parts of the pyramid, so to speak. But Mark and I like to think hypothetically that we kind of flip that around. I mean, I don't cook food very much anymore. I don't I'm not the server at your table most ever. You know that I have there's a lot of really good people that work for us that do that stuff day to day. So my job more so now is to make sure that those people have the tools and the resources and the 
physical support, the emotional support, the, all the things that they need to feel good about the job that they're doing to make the money they deserve to make doing it. You know, that's why I say the people is really my business now. Um, and that's working well for us. And we have really good people. You know, and I think that's something you'd expect somebody in this interview to say, but I'll say again that we have really good people in all the locations. So we have the luxury of saying, all right, now we have this great staff and this great infrastructure. So how do we keep it? Um, and how do we keep our business levels high? That's a much better situation than how do we increase our business levels and find some good staff? And, uh, you know, so being positive, being grateful and trying to move things in that direction, I think is the key um, to all that. Yeah, for sure, man. You know, and uh, it's interesting because you mentioned, you talk about, you know, some of those things can be dry or whatever, some of the, like Stephen Covey and so forth. But, but you know, the um, one thing you're doing, at least I believe, because I, I, I do the same, is by reading a lot of that, you're, you're kind of wiring your brain. Like whatever you're putting in there, is, yeah. you know, there's, a, there's inputs and outputs. And if you're uh, reading that a lot, thinking that way a lot, you're going to naturally act that way more. And, of course, then, you know. Um, the folks around you do as well, but, uh, it's, I mean, it's really healthy. I think, I think it's great that you're dialed into a lot of that stuff. I'm, I'm into the same. I know actually Mark and I were talking about, uh, do you, do you listen to podcasts? Cause I know he was mentioning, he listens to the Jocko podcast. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been big on Joe Rogan lately. I okay. Like that. Yeah. Like some of what he has to say. Yeah. Joe Rogan for sure. Yeah. He's got, I mean, he's got like probably the most popular podcast I think going, but, um, yeah, and I'm, I just mentioned that because uh, I know Jocko has this thing about discipline equals freedom, and uh, yeah. he's really big into that. But um, for those listening that didn't listen to Mark and I yet, it's just a, Jocko Willink has a good podcast. He's a former Navy SEAL, and he does business consulting now and talks yeah. a lot about the value of discipline. But uh, so It's funny you, you bring him up because I actually have his book, Extreme Ownership, and I oh yeah, I was talking to a, a, somebody that works with us the other day, and I'm saying – you know, it was kind of a coaching session, and I'm talking about you know, as your role grows, what my recent experience especially has shown me is that it's really not your responsibilities or your title that grow. It's your character that has to change, and your character has to match the role that you're in. And if your role is to lead the organization or lead the sports team or whatever it is, you know, you have to have the character that's associated with that because you can't fake that. You know, and I think that a lot of that material we're talking about it relates to that because you can read some really cool stuff that a guy like Stephen Covey writes and it's really valuable. But in my experience, almost none of that stuff is you read it and now you're an excellent communicator or you read it and you really understand interpersonal interaction. But I mean, it's more like you read it and you get some really good ideas and then you have to change a behavior in yourself. And so if you just read the book and put it aside, your, your benefits are pretty limited. If you read it and say, okay, Every morning now at 8 o'clock, I'm going to sit at my desk and I'm going to write out the objectives for what I'm going to do today and how it relates to my long-term goals. Every day I'm going to do that. And when the alarm goes off at 740 and you're tired and you're up all night with your kids or whatever it is, it's, that is the moment that defines it. Do you still get out of bed and put some coffee on and set that objective and keep your, your discipline check for what you said you were going to do? That's the only way to change behaviors. Um, and I have a lot of them to change. I still have a lot of work to do on it. And I found that if I don't sit and really set a course of action, then even that really powerful material doesn't really do anything. It's all about the follow through that comes from it. And it's funny you bring up that book because I know uh, some people, including Mark, that have read it. And I've been reading this World War II book, which is more like a fun reading thing for me lately. And 
that book is just staring at me. It's on my nights. And, and I know once I get into it, I'm going to read it. And then I'm going to sit up in bed for a half hour, an hour, staring at the ceiling and my, my mind's going to spin and there's going to be some stuff that comes out of it. And I'm excited for that. But you know, I kind of laughed to myself when you say that, because the book is basically taunting me on my nightstand right now <laughs> because I know it's going to make my mind kind of go in a, in a different direction in a positive way, most likely. But I think, I think how you use some of that material is as important as what's written in it. Totally. Totally. And it takes a lot of practice. It takes the discipline to put it to work and do it every day for sure. For sure. Well, yeah, t- tell absolutely. me about, um, okay. So tell me about your people. Why you've got great people there. How do you, how do you find them? How do you keep them? Well, um, I think it's kind of a, with the, with the four big restaurants in the deli, there's a lot of different ways they've come to us. Some of us is taking over restaurants and having a lot of people that are already in the building. Um, some of it is my restaurant manager at uh, one of our locations in Westley Vitranos is a friend of mine that I worked with behind a bar 10 years ago. Um, a guy I trust very much that I've got a lot of um, respect for and you know, have a personal relationship. And I asked him to leave his position and come to Westley to do this with me. And he is a huge piece of what we're doing now. So I think it kind of comes from everywhere. Um, it feels to me like it's getting harder to find people uh, with a job post and a lot of resumes. Set. And, you know, I think that's getting, I think it's getting more difficult um, in our business, especially for back of the house positions. You know, those are hard jobs. And traditionally you come in, especially to a kitchen, regardless of your schooling, if you're in your early twenties or younger, you come in and you wash dishes for a year and you make minimum wage and it's a tough environment around guys that are pretty intimidating and, and girls that know a lot more than you. I mean, it doesn't really, that environment doesn't really discriminate and you pay your dues. And after a year, then you make salads. I mean, that was kind of the old path. And I don't think a lot of kids are willing to do that anymore. Um, I think there are good, a lot of good people out there, but there seems to be more of a movement now where I went to culinary school and I'm here for a sous chef job. It's like, okay, well, if you haven't run a kitchen before or written a menu before, then you really can't be a sous chef because you haven't actually earned any skill set for that position because you don't get that in school, you know? And so I think um, to answer your question, people come from all different places. You know, we get them from referrals. We get people that we I've met and given business cards to when I'm out, out about in town. Um, so it's not really one particular source uh, where they come from. And what I know now is that when you find them, you keep them. And usually the the people that you have that are good, that are in town, that have been working for a while, they usually are the best source for, for new employees when you need them in our experience. But I don't think there's one magic formula for that. No, they're written. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, you know, about um, culinary school. And I almost wish – it's like I, I, I wish the schools would teach these folks. And I think this is a gap because I hear this a lot, Tyler, yeah. is – they come in and say, I want to be sous chef, but you know, what I've found is everybody I know that says they started from the bottom, even right. if they went to culinary school, if they had the humility and they checked their ego at the door and they started at the bottom, uh, and don't, you know, you just you can't be myopic because what happens is you wind up learning so much more about the business right. and how it works and every aspect of it. So well, you may start lower, you have the potential to rise a lot higher because of that. Right. I mean, I've seen that Absolutely. time and again, and uh, it's hard for people to realize, I think. But gosh, if you've gone to culinary school, you've made that commitment of your time, of your money, 
Right. Uh, and you have, you know, a longer term vision than what's going to happen over the next 12 months, then right. um, that that slight, what you may call step back early on, is actually going to propel you forward if you yeah. uh, are willing to put your butt into it. Uh, you wind up, you know, 10, 15 years, you'll be like, thank goodness I started at the bottom. I mean, and I hear people yeah. tell me that all the time that did that path, that are real successful. I think that if you, if a lot of people in our parents' generation listen to this conversation, I think their reaction is, that's not an exceptional thing. That's how it works. That's how yeah, life that's is. Yeah, right. that's right. You know, that used to be more the norm. And um, so I think it's kind of a generational thing that it can be different. And, you know, it's not that, uh, you know, culinary school, or for in my case, it was business school, that, that stuff is very important. There is a very distinct role for culinary school in our industry and for business school for people that want to run businesses. But you know, I found, I think, kind of found my footing in my career and started finding some success later than a lot of the people that I went to Babson with. That's what it felt like to me or feels like to me. So it's not, there is no easy script and there's no easy ways around it. And on top of that, you know, I think for the, if you don't work all of the positions, at least in the restaurant business, if you haven't been the busser and had four servers asking you for stuff and a table that needs food packed up and a manager that's irate about something that got missed. If you have been in those scenarios and you know, it's hard to do a good job managing those people because you don't really know what it's like to be in their shoes. And it sounds so simple. And if you went to a fancy business school or you went to CIA, then you must understand that, but you don't, I mean, they're not related at all. I think that applies to all of the positions in the restaurant. Um, You know, that dynamic of having, a new faced general manager with no culinary experience in a restaurant. I've seen a lot of scenarios where that doesn't go well. That might just be my own personal experience. But if the new person in the building also doesn't know what it's like to to sweat and work on the line for a 12 hour shift and have the pressure of that ticket machine going off and a reputation at stake, there's really no way you can understand that unless you do that stuff. And if you don't understand it, I don't really think it's easy to, or even feasible to manage the people that do it day to day, you know? So I think paying dues is a big part of it. I don't think that's something unique to our business. Um, I'm sure that it's not, but I, I think that people are less willing these days, at least from my experience, they're a little less willing to pay them. And, you know, you, you have to, you have to, if you really want to move forward, nobody, there's no kid that's born. That's an outstanding athlete that just starts in the NFL. It doesn't work that way you need luck and pay your dues and you need years of practice, relentless training and more luck. You know what I mean? It's just that way for everybody. You got to pay your dues. So yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what, um, I don't want to keep you much longer because I know you're real busy, but I do want to ask you this. What, I mean, what have you learned in the business, uh, over the years that, um, you know, you would, things that have surprised you maybe about the business that you didn't really expect how, you know, before you got into it, things that surprised me, um, kind of how big our world is. I mm. guess that'd be my first answer. I think part of the reason I was, you know, signed up with for my Series Seven was because I just thought there was more potential there for growth, for money, for career stature, for all the things that a young, impetuous twenty-something-year-old cares about. You know, that seemed like a bigger avenue and. Being a business owner and doing what I'm doing now, I've realized that I really am the determined, determining factor in kind of where this can go and what it can be. And, you know, that's the position that I want to be in. I, I'm not sure everybody's comfortable with that. Um, 
and comfortable with that kind of pressure, but I am. And the guy that I work closely with is, and most of the people that work for us are. So, you know, there's really no limits. I, you're asking me about our industry, but I feel like that's kind of a life lesson that maybe I'm just talking about because it's something that's more recent in my learning curve. Hmm. There really are any limits. You know, there's just what you limit your mind and your direction to. So, you know, when I say be surprised, I guess I just didn't realize um, how much potential there was for personal and professional growth in our industry. Right. I didn't see that. And when you're young and you're a busboy at a local restaurant, it's kind of impossible to see that. You know, you have to deliberately look out for new avenues and experience new things and work in new places. But, you know, there's a lot that we can do. Um, there's a, a tremendous amount of potential for what we're working on. And I didn't know that even five or six years ago. I don't think I had the I could see that that was what was possible. So that's probably my first reaction to that question. No, that's great. I love it. Well, look, I mean, what you guys are doing is you're you're building, you know, you're building a, a small business, a local business that's providing jobs for people in your community, that's investing yeah. in the community. I mean, these things are really powerful forces. And I, I mean, I really believe this. And you're also giving, you know, because you're growing this business and will continue to, you're providing a great opportunity for people that maybe they don't want to own their own. Maybe they don't want all that pressure, but they want to be a part of a thriving business and have opportunities right. to grow in their career. Maybe not call the shots, but, you know, help execute the shots. And uh, yeah. you're really giving great opportunities for people that, you know, maybe don't want the, the desk job, the nine to five. They don't want the um, the suit and tie. They, you know, right. they, they like to move around. They like to be around people. I mean, these are, this is a great thing. Uh, but then an opportunity to maybe not go work for a giant chain and be, you know, somewhere in the middle of that organization forever. But right. you I mean, work directly for, for owners that you get to know and you learn from and grow with yeah. the business. And as the business grows, your opportunities grow. I mean, I just think it's a great opportunity. I have three kids and I, I, I really hope that all three of them will at least spend, you know, a couple, two, three years working in restaurants before they figure out what they're going to do. Because I think that I think there's so much value that even if it's not for you, for your career, uh, learning to operate under fire around, um, you know, figuratively speaking, but around a lot of other teammates that are working hard, customers that, you know, have high expectations and stuff. I mean, this, there's so many skill sets you learn. And if you can do that and do it well, then that translates to lots of other things for sure. Absolutely. I well, I appreciate you saying that. And, and I agree with you hundred percent. You know, I have a 14 month old son. So my, my thinking about it, um, I don't know if it's too relevant for his career path yet, but I sure think a lot more about what I want to teach him and how I want him to see the world. Um, so I think that quantifies out well. And you, know, you said it well, that for, for me and for my business partner, Mark, like, it's really not about us as much. I mean, uh, the, the direction is, but we need everyone to grow with us. Mm. You know, I need all these guys, like I mentioned, my the manager and my friend Russ, and there's a lot, there's more than one Russ in our organization. And there's a lot of great people that might not have authoritative titles that are, are working for us that are on a career path and want to grow. And that's really our biggest job now is to give these people the things that they need and the rewards that they deserve and the tools that they need to go with us. And in some of their cases, that should mean being a partner in a new location and having, you know, their earning potential go beyond what they thought it would be. I mean, that seems like the pretty ideal reward to working really hard, um, in my opinion. And that's the reward that I expect to come out of it. So, 
it really comes all full circle to what we first talked about here because those people and how we can move all of us forward is the key. Um, and I've worked for people that were really good at that and really good at that mindset. And I've worked for people that were way up on the chain and completely forgot about that mindset. And the results in each situation speak very clearly for themselves. So, you know, I think keeping focused on our people and the opportunities that we can present to them and remembering that they are all of our opportunities and not just Tyler and Marks. I think that's a very important part of our lives right now. And so far, so good, I think, you know, but we got a lot of work to do. I hear you, man. I hear you. Well, um, well, first of all, congrats. I know 14 months. So is that your, so you've got one, one kid? Yeah, that's my, my first son, my wife, Jackie. And, uh, I should really re- mention that you're, uh, part of the dynamic that we haven't touched on is, like a lot, some other careers, restaurants can be real hard on that. And I'm very lucky that I have a very supportive wife and um, somebody, she kind of makes this stuff possible for us with how she helps with her. Mm. She doesn't help. She runs the family. Yeah. I like to say it like that, but she's the boss. And, uh, you know, having my son around has been a, as as wonderful a thing as I could have imagined. And but it definitely changes your perspective. I know having a few kids, you definitely understand that's certainly changes the way you think about things the way you prioritize things and you know trying to make sure that both he and my wife have the things they need is you know been my biggest motivator for some time now so it certainly changes things for you for me um in a positive way um like i said i think when it comes to building business and you know being an entrepreneur you know you you really need to quantify out what you're willing to give and what the people you care about most are willing to give that to because yeah. it, it's not easy um, and we they said my wife and i have very good communication about this stuff and she's been extremely supportive and fortunately we were lucky enough that we could do some planning you know with our family life and with our son that you know he wasn't with us when i was doing those 100 hour weeks but we're also on the risk that that could be my schedule again you know, if something goes wrong, it's still possible. You know, we're not far enough removed. Right. So you really both, you really both need to be on the same page with those things. And I'm fortunate to have that situation, but I don't think it's that way for everybody. So, you know, like in anything, you really have to quantify out um, the risks and the repercussions all the way across the board. And I think starting with your family is usually a pretty good place to go with that. No, for sure. And it's great. This is I'm glad you mentioned that because I think a lot of people get into it and they don't, they don't realize that. And that can be a, that can be challenging. So you have to know what you're getting into, especially if you're young and planning a family. It's, uh, it's hard. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. But it'll be great too. Cause your son will grow up. And if you have other kids will grow up around a dad who runs a business and learn, learn a ton. And hopefully they'll, hopefully they'll stay I'm out not- of that, that trap of like, go to the best school, get the best job, work the hard, you know, like try, right, I mean, I'm, right. I'm dealing with that right now. My daughter's in ninth grade. She's already worried about what college she's got. I'm like, dude, that's great. I didn't even think about it. what are you talking yeah. about? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, who cares? <laughs> but that whole dynamic is changing too. But yeah, they're a lot more anxious these days. Unfortunately, the kids are, I think they're exposed to so much so early and it's right. tough, man. So, but, um, well, listen, dude, I, I'm going to let you roll, but Tyler, I really appreciate it. Man. It's been a great conversation. I've learned a ton from you, and I really enjoyed it. And you Thanks guys are. Uh, I enjoy this very much. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We love, love serving folks like y'all and just always appreciate the opportunity to, to, to uh, learn from you. So um, appreciate it. And uh, as you know, man, anytime you need anything, just, just give me a shout. 
Thanks very much, Will. We appreciate you, and, and uh, we appreciate what ScheduleFly is doing for the infrastructure that we need across the board. It's helping us a lot. So I hear you, it's man. a good relationship with us. I appreciate the time. You bet, man. Have a good one. All right. Be well. well. See you.